Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. grateful for Landon coming uh, here in this spring break and is trying to help me. One of the problems I know doesn't affect us a whole lot in here, but the music from the piano or from even people singing, because the way we do our microphones online, sometimes it cuts in and cuts out. Not when I'm preaching, but if it's softer or it needs adjusting. And so he's up here with me this week working and we're trying to work with these microphones and other things as well, and I appreciate his help. Open your Bibles again, if you would, to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. You know what? He's looking at my Bible, and it's right here. <clears throat> Somebody go tell him. I've got it. <laughs> he may, if he's listening to me, he may. I thought I brought it in, but then I didn't see it, and I remembered I laid down there for Sunday school. Mark chapter 7, I just want to say I just so enjoyed that song that Landon sang. Uh, I know he had some softer parts, and I don't know whether you heard it as well as uh, it's not a familiar song to you. But part of the words of the thought of that song is, I don't have anything to offer fit for a king except for my hallelujah except for my praise that's the only thing I have that's all I've got that's all we have you guys get that right that is all we have that is fit for the king nothing we do is worthy but our praise is what he desires and so the only thing that we have fit for the king is our praise But what we have, we ought to offer to him. Those powerful words. Mark 7. And I'm going to, I'm laying this, tell me it is popping a little bit, so we still need to work on this. So I'm going to take this off. And we'll just go back, turn that Lucas back to the yellow microphone there. We were having a little problem with that earlier. We thought we had it fixed, but I'll just use this. Mark 7, and beginning again, get my notes, verse 24. And from thence, now let me just, remain seated, but follow along with me. The word and there is the first thing that may not grab your attention. But in the original language, the word carries the sense of now. Or immediately. So here he was dealing with the people, and he was talking about, again, 
He was teaching them, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders come in, and they're saying, you're not washing your hands right with the ceremoniously washing your hands. You're not washing the pots right. You're not doing those things. Not only that, but you were healing on the Sabbath, and then you're talking about food being clean that we've always taught and have been taught is unclean. And Jesus is moving the lines. And so then it says, immediately he from thence from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it. So now if you're not familiar with your geographical locations, Tyre and Sidon would be in Phoenicia in that day, but Lebanon today, along the coast north of Israel, or what we know as Israel today. So outside the borders of the promised land is where he went. Now there would have been some Jews that were there because of the dispersion earlier that took place and because of the Romans, there would have been some, some Jewish settlements there. But he's largely going, or he's going to outside the borders, if you will. So we need to understand that. And he goes into a house. We don't know exactly why, but he didn't want anybody to know. But then it says that in verse, at the end of verse 24, but it could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him... And came it fell and came and fell at his feet, and the woman was a Greek. Now the word Greek there, understand, doesn't mean that she was from Greece. The word Greek there would also be translated Gentile. In other words, it's making the point she is not a Jew. There were Jews, and then there was everybody else, and she was a everybody else. She was a Gentile. A Syrophoenician by nation. He's, Mark is making the point, not only was this woman a Gentile, but she was a Gentile of Gentiles. It's kind of like a re, being redundant. She was really Gentile-y. She was really not Jewish at all. That's important. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. And Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat or not right to take, or not time to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Or yes, the word Lord there could be translated sir. So it wasn't like Lord as far as Master or, or, or Messiah, it's Sir, Master. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter, or the demon is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. I want to bring this message to you this morning. People 
with a desperate need. People with a desperate need. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today. And Father, just... God, I'm already filled up with emotion this morning. And God, I just pray that you would help me to be clear in what I'm trying to communicate, what I believe you would have me try to communicate this morning. And God, I pray that you would help us all to see that we are all people of desperate need. But there are people that are outside these walls, that are outside of the family of God, that desperately, desperately need you. And you are desperately trying to reach them or wanting to reach them. Help us to be a part of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again, I'm amazed as our Sunday school lesson is I typically don't really start reading our Sunday school lesson until after I prepared or gotten the main framework of the sermon. Then I will turn to the Sunday school lesson to look at it, especially when it's my week to teach. And it's always fascinating to me how the two can tie together. In both cases, Jesus is reaching out to the outsiders. A Samaritan woman, and then this Syrophoenician Gentile outside the borders. And it spoke to me. And I hope that it speaks to you. Jesus now is going, and he's not going out of compulsion. In other words, he's not going out of threat of being arrested. He's not going out of, uh, out of some kind of pressure from the outside to go. He's going for a purpose. What that purpose is exactly, we don't know. Because... It doesn't tell us. And you say, wait a minute, it says there was a Syrophoenician woman, and then actually, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this morning, but actually it also talks about the fact that there was a man outside the coast of Decapolis in verse 31 who had a stuttering problem and a hearing problem, and Jesus heals him. And both of them, if you don't know your geography, which most of us don't understand where Decapolis was in comparison, Decapolis is not in the borders of Israel. And so, therefore, we need to point that out. Both these are outside. And again, we talk about Jesus moving the lines. And here he is once again moving the lines. Jesus went with a purpose outside the border, not to avoid arrest or persecution, not specifically to meet this woman or her daughter or this man that was, had a speech impediment that we see in the verses following. But it was also not by chance... Or happenstance. He went there for a purpose. Now, what it might have been was for rest. Because he went into a house 
quietly, right? Trying, basically the idea was, didn't want everybody to know about it. Now, of course, Jesus knows he's, he's going to meet this Syrophoenician woman. He knows that he's going to meet this man who's got the speech impediment. He knows he's going to heal them before he gets there. He knows that. But as Mark, who is writing for Peter, is writing this, he's communicating the fact that that's not the reason we, that we went there. In other words, Jesus led us there, but we went to a house and basically were told, don't let anybody know. Keep it a secret that we're here. And it was almost as if, so if there was some other reason that's not written there, it's, it wasn't intended for us to know it. Could have been for rest. Doesn't matter. He's interrupted. This woman comes. Whatever else was accomplished, we don't know. And it's not intended for us to know. But it is interesting that we know that this tells us because he went there for a different purpose, we know that he would have accomplished that purpose too. But we also know that John tells us that if, all, if we wrote down all the works that Jesus did, that the world itself could not contain the books. That's what it says in John. <clears throat> I've shared these words with you before, but I want to share with you again because I was reminded of this. When you think about what God has done, and you say, well, God has done it, He can do it again, or He can do it in me, or He can do it in you. Yes, He can. But there's so many things that God or Jesus has done that nobody wrote about. And so it's so far beyond, and I guess the comparison I want to give you is this, that the Bible tells us that heaven no man has seen nor ear hath heard just how wonderful heaven is going to be, just as nobody knows just how many works and just how wonderful the works are that Jesus has done, because not all of them were for us to know right now, or maybe know ever, but the point is that he did them. And so therefore, when you think, well, what can God do? He can do, as the Bible says, abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine. And there was a song that was written uh, about that, and I want to read you these words from the chorus of one of these verses of the song, the third verse. And it says, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment or paper or a scroll made and were every stalk on earth not, not just if every pen every quill if every stalk on earth were a quill and every man a scribe by trade that was your job was to write to write the love or to write the works of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And so I just want you to see that he went there for something that we don't know what it was. It wasn't written right here, but he went there for a purpose. But here's the thing. Sometimes God sends us for a purpose, or sometimes we have a purpose, but God says, all right, I'm going to interrupt a little bit. And I want you to see that Jesus did not get upset or irritated. And he said, wait a minute, it looks like he got irritated. No, I'm going to explain that to you. But Jesus did not get upset by something interrupting what his initial purpose was. 
And sometimes we need to remember, and I have to remember, that I may have things I want to accomplish, but God has given me a mission field, and I can't allow, whether it be my children or my wife or anybody else, to be looked at as an interruption to what I think I'm supposed to be doing. And nor can you. The mission field is before us. The mission field is all around us. And sometimes we say, well, I'm going to do this. And then we block everything else out. Jesus didn't block everything else out. He went there for a reason, but that didn't prevent him from working the mission field that was presented before him through this woman. This woman was desperate for Jesus. She had a desperate need. Her daughter was possessed by a demon. And so she comes to Jesus. And Jesus in healing her further, or her healing the daughter, further moves the line. Remember we talked last week about moving the lines. The lines of what the disciples thought, the, the lines of what the religious leaders thought and were teaching, even the religious lines of the traditions of the day, Jesus was moving them because, now I'm going to go ahead and give you this part and then we're going to come back to it. Jesus even says to the woman, it's not time to give you what was meant for the nation of Israel. And the point was, is that the gospel was first to the Jew and then to the Greek. We know that because we read the epistles of Paul, the letters of Paul. That's written later. But this was Jesus once again opening up the door to the Gentile world. Salvation was to the Jews. When God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that didn't mean just the Jew whosoever, but the Gentile whosoever. And that is, and everybody is included in one of those two categories. And that is important to us. Do you know why? Why is it important that the door was swung open to the Gentile and Jesus is moving the line to say, hey, you're included in this too. Why is that important? Somebody please tell me. It includes every last one of us except for Sidna because she's Jewish. All right. I don't think anybody else in here has any Jewish blood in them as far as I know. So therefore, for Sidna and for the rest of us, the gospel of salvation and Jesus has come for each one of us. And I'm not doing that to embarrass Sidna. I just, I think we all know, or most of us know, that she has some Jewish ancestry. All right? So that's, that, that's not embarrassing you, is it? Okay, good. All right, good. Didn't want to embarrass her. All right. Because she's so loud and vocal, I didn't want to make, okay, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my point is this. It's important to us. But here's the thing. The Jews didn't like it. The religious leaders didn't like it. Hey, wait a minute. This is for us. Meaning the Mosaic law, that the God's chosen people. Now, God did not intend for God's chosen people to be arrogant about the fact that they were God's chosen people. Just like God's chosen people, as far as Christians, aren't to be arrogant about the fact that, God, that we're God's chosen people. If you've been saved, you've been chosen. But the fact that 
It's a blessing that God chose Israel. I'm blessed to be a Jew, and therefore I'm blessed that I'm a Christian, that God revealed, that God chose to use Israel, that God chose to use me and, and call me. That's a blessing, not to be arrogant, but a blessing. But what was happening was, is the religious leaders, the traditions, the Jews in general were arrogant about it. That's why the term for a Gentile was dog. That's how highly they thought of themselves. He said, well, wait a minute. Jesus is using that term. I'm going to come back to that. But I want you to see that Jesus is moving the lines. And he's swinging the door open for everybody. There is a, a, a more and more and more. God is working in me about the fact that God didn't come just to save church folks. He came to save everybody. Anybody. And here he's proving it. Because can I explain to you for a second? And Sidna, I'm, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you may not even realize this. This Syrophoenician woman... Do you know where she was from? The Syro-Phoenician woman was most likely from Syria. That was her nationality, her heritage. What do we know today about Syrians in Israel? They hate each other. Syria like Iran in particular, but Syria is often tied in with Iran, hates Israel and wants to wipe them off the face of the map. And here's Jesus, knowing that was going to happen, knowing that was even really a, a reality already, but knowing that there was much turmoil and knowing that there would be even more turmoil in days to come, said, I'm going to that person. Just like he went to the Samaritan woman. The person that we might look at and say, or the Jew might look at and say, I'm not going to them. Jesus said, I'm going because I came to die for them too. And I'll just, you do know, you know John's the only gospel that talks about the, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? This was the equivalent to the woman at the well. For Mark, or for Peter, who's the actual, Peter was the eyewitness, Mark was the one that wrote it, John Mark was the one that was the penman for Peter. Peter said, hey, kind of get, this is the story. So this is the Gentile woman. And by the way, this ought to tie in because remember, when this is being written is after Peter has had his vision about the, the clean and the unclean meat that we talked about last week a little bit, but it takes place in Acts. And when Jesus, when Peter said, I'm not going to eat what's unclean and Jesus in the vision, the Lord says to, to Peter, what I've called clean, don't call unclean. And he goes and witnesses to Cornelius and Cornelius gets saved. Cornelius was a Gentile. Not a Samaritan, a Gentile. And I think that's why we see this message here almost in place of the Samaritan woman. 
But either way, it was definitely further moving the lines. Jesus had already healed on the Sabbath. Jesus had not washed his hands or his cookware in the ceremonial fashion that the traditions decreed that they did. He declared unclean foods clean, and now he's delivering the good news of hope of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? If Jesus did it and tells us to go into all the world to do it, don't you think that's what we ought to be doing? Here's the thing that we oftentimes get too caught up in in church. Is, hey... Lost people. Now again, please, please don't misunderstand me. When I say this, I want you to invite people to church. I want you to invite people to church. I want desperately to see people come in this church that don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't smell like us. But Jesus didn't stay where he was at. Jesus went to where they were. Jesus went to them to meet their need. Jesus went to minister to them. We can't just get caught up and say, hey, right here we are. We're at church. Our doors are open. Here's the, and again, I do it all the time. Here's our service times. Won't you come? Won't you watch? But we have to also go. I'm not saying that we don't invite them to come or that we don't come we should but Jesus went to those that most people would never have crossed wanted to cross paths with now having said that watch what he does to the woman. The woman comes. Now, this story is also in Matthew. It's over in Matthew 15, 21, 28. I'm not going to have you, I'm not going to take time to read that right now because we'll run out of time for what I have for us this morning. But it tells a more involved version of this because Matthew tended to share more details. And in the account in Matthew, we see right here, she comes one time and says, will you heal my daughter? And Jesus says, uh, it's not the time for me to give the food. That's the word. That was the food, was the word of God to the dogs. That was the Gentiles. In Matthew, she comes three different times. She comes and asks him, and he ignores her. She comes back again and pesters the disciples, and they come to him saying, Would you please just send her away? She's driving us all crazy. And she comes back again a third time, and that's where they had this interaction. And so my point is this, there are people that are desperate in this world, but just as I was sharing this morning, we're all desperate for Jesus, and there's things that we want Jesus or God to do. How desperate are we for him to do them? 
she was so desperate that she begged God and she begged God and she would not stop begging God. And finally, Jesus turns around and he says to her. And by the way, when we read this in the King James or in any language for that matter in English, I don't think we're getting the tone because we're not understanding the Greek word that's being used. I'm going to explain to you in just a minute. He turns around and he says, hey, it's not time. We're not, I'm not going to give the bread that belongs to the Jews to the dogs. And we say, what a terrible thing to say. And she, and she responds in the verse and she answers and she says, yes, Lord, that's right. Yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She says, God, I understand. Sir, I understand that. But if we could just get the scraps, because here's what she understood. When Jesus says to give to the dogs, the word, okay, dogs in that day, the dogs were largely wild dogs. They weren't cared for uh, in general. These dogs were what we would probably call today uh, coyotes almost. They were wild dogs. That's what the Jews compared the Gentiles to. They came, they tore stuff up, they, they, they took stuff that didn't belong to them. That was the Gentile dog. That's how they described them. But Jesus used the word dog. He uses the word, the Greek word that means lap dog. In other words, house dog. So we don't give the food that belongs to the children, that's Israel, to the pets. And she picks up on what he's saying and saying, I'm not asking for food off. I'm not asking for a seat at the table. I understand. She's saying, I understand that the Jews have to come first. But could I just get the scraps that fall to the floor? And if I could just get the scraps that fall to the floor, that would be enough to heal my daughter of this demon. That's what she's saying. And so there's two parts to this. One, will we learn to have faith like this woman who, despite the fact that she says, listen, I, I understand. And, and it wasn't a rebuke as in you're a dirty dog. It was, hey, it's just the Jews come first. And he didn't do it to be mean. He was doing it to see what her response would be. And sometimes in our life, God puts us on hold. To see what we will do. We ask him for something. And it may be something as simple. And I'm going to say trivial. Although I know for you know, a teenager for example. It's not trivial. But for a car. I need a car. I'm 16. I'm going to be 16 or whatever. I need a car. And I think it's a good thing for teenagers to pray. God can I have a car? Can you help me get a car? Help me get a good grade on my test. We ought to be praying those kind of things. We ought to learn to pray for and, 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 and turn to Him for the things that we need, no matter how trivial they may be in the grand scheme of things. So we learn to trust. Is, 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 okay, let me go back to what I was saying. I'm going to get off, off track here. But God says, wait a minute, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. Not yet. Or maybe it's healing somebody. And no, I'm not going to. 
Maybe you don't hear him say that, but they don't get healed. And so God didn't answer. Or maybe it's, I need a job. Or maybe it's, I'm having a financial struggle. Or maybe it's a health concern. Or maybe it's somebody in the hospital. Whatever it is. And we don't immediately hear God answer our prayer. Are we like the Syrophoenician, Syrian Gentile woman saying, God, I know that you can meet this need. God, I know. And I'm not going to stop asking until you answer. And then when you answer, I'm still going to believe. And Father, if I just had the scraps off the table. In other words, this woman didn't give, just give up and say, okay, well, I guess not. I guess that's it. I'm done. I won't ask for anything else. No, she keeps on asking. And that's how we ought to be because we ought to realize our desperation and that, that we need him every day. But I think we ought to also need that, we're de- that we need to be desperate to reach out to people and people that are not like us and people that are not the ones that we would naturally or our natural inclination go to. I often wonder what it would be like if we had people flooding the doors of this church but they weren't wearing suits or they weren't wearing ties or they weren't wearing dress pants or their hair didn't cut above the ears or they had earrings or tattoos what would our response be? And I didn't plan this part until I saw the movie last night because I already had this message prepared. In essence, I was putting the fine touch, fine tuning it last night and then even this morning. But I already had the we were already in Mark seven. So don't think I just kind of put these two together. But I went and watched the Jesus Revolution with Landon. You guys have heard about this movie. Anybody heard about it? Raise your hand. Have you heard about it? Yes. Well, just stick them up. Stick them up. All right. OK. How many of you remember the Jesus Revolution? I mean, it was a real thing. How many of you are old enough? Don't, I mean, I, I guess we're all old enough. Most of you are old enough to remember Greg Laurie and the Jesus Revolution as far as it was a thing with the hippies out in California. Do you remember? Anybody remember that? Is that not here? Okay. Nobody really. Okay, that's all right. It was a real thing. But here's the point that I wanted to... That in, the, in the movie... And it so spoke to me. In the movie, it was a church just like ours. Traditional. People in nice clothes. Good, God-loving, faithful people. And the church numbers were down. The church numbers were dwindling. People were dying off. And this hippie shows up. And he brings his friends and all the church people moved over to one side and you had the hippie people over on the other side. And the hippie in the movie says to the preacher, he says, to reach my people, he says, your doors are shut. You don't, again, don't, you don't love us. You look at it, it's like there's something wrong with us. 
In fact, the people in the church went to the pastor and they said, the tithers in this church are going to stop tithing if you don't get these people out of here. They come in barefoot. They come in without having baths. They're staining our shag rug carpeting. Would that be our response? If people that didn't smell like us and dress like us and look like us came in the church, would that be our response? Jesus went to a Syrian woman and healed her. In the next verses, because I'm out of time, he goes to a man in Decapolis, also not a Jew, and he heals him. And so my challenge to us is to think about, would we be the ones that would be like, man, they're staining the carpet, or they're leaving an odor, or they're loud, or they look odd? Or would we say, praise God, they're coming in the church to hear the gospel. What an opportunity to minister. Or would we be the ones that would say, they're staining the carpet? When they come in and they tell the preacher, they're coming in barefoot and in sandals, and they're staining our carpet. Do you know what the preacher did? He said, you're right, they are. The next Sunday, do you know what he did? He meets them at the door with a foot wash. And he begins to wash their feet so they can come in and not stain the carpet. Would we, would I, be the one that says, hey, they're staining our carpet. They're dinging our walls. They're tearing stuff up. Or would I be the one out there washing their feet? Saying, come on in. I guess what I'm trying to get us to see and what God has been showing me is that we've got to learn to love people. And not look down on them because they're A, lost, or not church folk. I'm not saying we ought not to dress up for church. I'm not saying that we ought not to put on a tie or a suit coat or comb our hair or try to look presentable. Or because they're not the same color as us or speak the same language as us as their natural language. I'm not going to ask you how many of you are going back and reading the chronological reading, but you know what I've picked up on in the reading, in the giving of the law, in the giving of the instructions as they're going into marching to Canaan, even in the 40 years wandering in the wilderness, the instructions of God was to treat the foreigner like you treat your own citizen. In other words, he said, you're going to be calling across all kinds of other people, but treat them with love and kindness. Now, I'm not talking about when he's talking about driving them out of the land. That's a whole different section, and he's giving instructions to drive out the inhabitants of Canaan. But as they're going through the wilderness, he's saying, the people that you have that come into your country when you're there, not the armies that are trying to 
keep you from taking it. But the, the people that you're, that they're foreigners that come into your land. Treat them like you would your brother. Treat them like you would your sister. We live in a country that has all kinds of people and all kinds of different skin colors, accents, looks, smells, whatever word you want to use. There are people that are searching for what is real. We've got it. The water of life, as we talked about in Sunday school lesson. Are we going to keep it for ourselves? Or are we going to reach out to where they are? Invite them in, but reach out to where they are. That's what Jesus did. It's amazing to me how many times he leaves the crowd to go find the one. Bible talks about how he leaves the 99 to go find the one. What side of the church are we going to sit on? Are we going to love everybody? Are we going to want God to reach everybody? Or just some people? You say, well, that doesn't make me feel very good. When God steps on my toes, it doesn't feel very good either. I pray that we would not not embracing of sin, but accepting of people in the sense of I love you no matter what. No matter what you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you look like, I love you because God loved me. God loves me. God loves you. I was thinking just this week, and I'm out of time. We sing the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Right? Jesus loves me, this I know. Maybe somebody's done this, I don't know. I'm sure they have somewhere at a point in time. But the next time we sing that, I want to change the words a little bit. Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, this I know. For, I know it doesn't rhyme, but for the Bible tells me so. I guess it does. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Oh, God. If you cared enough to reach out to people that God, you, you loved enough to reach out to people that hated your people. But God, you reached out to me when I hated you. You reached out to us when we hated you. 
Will you help us? We know you will. Will you give us the desire to reach out to people? Ones that are like us and ones that are not. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.